This week on the Man About Town podcast, a man who grew up in Manteca, worked, raised a family, and coached at Manteca and Sierra High School. At various times, coaching football, girls golf, and basketball. His first love is baseball. He coached a total of 41 years. He's a member of the American Baseball Coaches Association and was chairman of the ABCA Rawlings High School All-American Committee for 13 years, plus a member of three Hall of Fames, Sierra High School, the California Baseball Coaches Association, and the city of Manteca. He worked at Spreckles Ranch in the summer, playing basketball at night on the St. Anthony's Playground. He misses swimming at Lincoln Pool in the summer and says the teachers and coaches that he had in his youth helped shape him into the person he is today. Oh, and make sure that you hit the follow button at Anchor or Spotify or wherever you're receiving this podcast. And if you'd like to send a donation across, feel free to support the Man About Town podcast. There's a link here. Welcome to the Man About Town podcast this week featuring Coach Jack Thompson. Sounding really good. Beautiful. It's the Man About Town podcast. Thank you, Coach, for having me in your home. Oh, you're welcome. He's Jack Thompson. I'm Aaron Goodwin. This town uh, deserved a podcast for all the great people that are still living and roaming about. And uh, the podcast is actually me setting an audio timeline of where we are now, where we have been before we're not around anymore. People are going to miss out, Coach. Oh, it's a... It's been a great life here, and Manteca is certainly a special place. You grew up here? I moved out here in 1963. My dad worked for Libyones Ford in Ottawa, Illinois. They opened a plant in Lathrop, and so he brought the family west in 63. What was the job? He was a foreman in the bending department at the glass plant. At the time, they were real big. They did all of the glass, all the windshield, side panels for General Motors. Did you learn anything about cars from your dad? I learned a lot more when I got a summer job there one year and was working in 140 degrees, and I realized, you know what, college's not too bad. Tell me more about that. What goes on? So how does it work? Where where he worked was a bending department, and that's where they would get the plates of glass, and then they would have to run them through this furnace, and it would actually bend the glass into the shape of the windshield. Oh, okay. And so you can only imagine how hot it had to be to bend that glass. You wore gloves that were about two inches thick because you had to grab the windshields when they came out of the furnace. I think my dad was a little worried because at the time you got paid $4.12 an hour. But to put it in perspective, the minimum wage was $1.65. Wow. So you were making almost three times the minimum, minimum wage. My dad was afraid I was going to fall in love with the money and not want to go to college. But... After three months in those furnaces, I was gung ho to to go to college. So, how old were you when you here when you arrived in '63? I was eight. I eight. was in third grade. What did it? What was the difference between where you came from and and the town of Manteca? I came from Ottawa. Was a small town as well. I think it was a little simpler. It, it was a little different in that no stucco houses, gravel roads. It, it was a little bit of a culture shock when we came here the first year. The yards were bigger back then. 
my dad had a quarter acre garden. And when we moved into our house, you know, it was small front yard, small backyard, three bedrooms, seven kids. And, and so it was seven little, kids, four sisters and two brothers. My sister Jeannie was okay. the oldest and she's still in Illinois. Can she kick your butt? Uh, I don't think so. No, she, she might in golf. She, she's, she's still in great shape as well. She's going to turn 80 here and she still golfs about three or four times a week. Really? Yes. Well, what kind of, how, what's her, what's her handicap? I don't know what it is. And she won't tell me either. And you're not going to play her to find out. I'm it not going like. to play her to find out. <laughs> When's the last time you two played golf? Uh, my niece got married in North Carolina and her and her husband joined myself and my nephew one day and we played in North Carolina. So you're uh, eight years old. We move forward. Uh, how about schooling? Went to Lindbergh and then went to Shasta the first year it opened. Lindbergh. Yeah. Mrs. Carter and Mrs. Shingler. Mr. Knowles, my favorite teacher. And then in sixth grade, went to Shasta, seventh and eighth grade to Lincoln, and then to Manteca High. Sounds like uh, you and your boys had, uh, not, not your sons, your boys, I'm talking about your, your crew mm-hmm. around uh, the St. Anthony's Way over there. Yes. Some of your uh, cohorts would run around there. And I went out with a microphone and talked to a few of these cats. Are you afraid of what any of them might say about you? I, I don't think so. I don't think so either. Yeah. You're that guy. <laughs> You've lived that life. You, uh, you really got none of those stories I've, laying I've out tried, there. I've tried to. I'm Dave Kamara, and I'm a friend of Jack Thompson's. I've known Coach Thompson since I was a little kid uh, from St. Anthony's, and he lived right by St. Anthony's, and no, I don't know how I got to know him. I just knew him for since we were little kids. Jack is probably the most honest uh, guy that walks, that will do anything for you if if he is a friend of yours, you can always rely on Jack for whatever you need. How about that, Coach? Where'd you meet Dave Kamara? Uh, I, I met Dave Kamara at St. Anthony's. I think I was four years older than Dave, and we would always go down there and play basketball. And there was a group of my friends and his friends, and we would play basketball. And then when I was a senior in high school, Dave was a freshman. And so we still kept in touch. And then after high school, we've kept in touch and Dave was very instrumental helping us work on the baseball stadium at Sierra High. And, of course, he coached at Manteca High, and I coached at Sierra, but we still remained lifelong friends and enjoyed a very healthy rivalry. What do I got here? Someone else? My name's uh, Todd Vick. Jack and I go back to elementary school. Taught and coached at uh, Manteca and Sierra High School with Jack. Let's see. I started at Manteca at 86. I became his freshman baseball coach in 84 ended up uh, being his first base coach uh, at sierra for 22 years he's two years older than i am but i can remember he grew up on harding street in manteca and i had two real good friends that were my age on that street right by him uh, vince cowan and uh, the tilton boys we used to be out front and hit uh, (laughs) bottle caps with uh, broomsticks because the bottle caps acted like a curveball. We did that on the street. Uh, a lot of times we'd go over to the, the Catholic church and play basketball in the fog on uh, the outdoor courts with the, you know, with the metal nets. We played wiffle ball and football and everything over at the, at the church, the back of the church there. You know, just you and your bike and your buddies, no parents, no umpires or anything. You worked everything out yourself. <laughs> Good times. Oh, I have some great memories with Todd. Todd and I coached together for about 25 years. And Todd was a very good coach, very good person. 
I learned a lot from him. Also learned a lot from his dad. His dad was one of my first mentors, Walker. Very private person. Yes. And invited me over to his place. I went into his fly room. And so Dave said this. Going out golfing in Tahoe and we thought he got a hole in one and the ball hit the flag and went off the thing. But the most memorable probably was coaching against him. And he talked an umpire into changing a call because he was Jack Thompson. I argued it and him and I had dinner later and laughed about it. But... He did change the umpire's call. I still believe that. What was the call? The umpire made the call, called the guy, the guy uh, safe, but Jack went out and told him, oh, no, he was on the transfer. So the guy said, no, now he, he he's out. And when I said, what do you mean? He said, well, Jack Thompson said that that's what happened. And that's when I argued the call. And, and it was funny afterwards, but... You know, coaching against them, you know, it's you're competing, and it, it was, it is funny now, but you know, I, I still believe he he got the umpire to change the call because he's Jack Thompson. Well, duh, but he's still hurting about this. This is an open wound, coach. And that's I can I remember that as if it was yesterday. They hit a line drive to our first base, and it was Anthony Anthony Arredondo, and he was looking to double up runner at second, and the ball popped out of his glove, and so I told the umpire, hey, that he dropped it on the exchange, not on the catch. And Dave went over to argue with him. And, and the umpire said, well, Jack said. And Dave just, <laughs> he was just beside himself. He said, oh, so Jack Thompson said that. So it's got to be the gospel. Well, you know, and, and Dave, Dave did not let me live that down for a while. And as you can tell, he still does Just to say, Coach, it's, still uh, it's 2021. Yes. And I asked him for something memorable. And that, that open hole is still irritating him. Yes. And the golf story was a great story, too. Dave and I went and played. It was in Carson. I think it was Dayton Valley. And we were, we were hitting on a par three, but we were hitting right into the sun. And I hit a seven iron, and it went straight at the pin. And we couldn't see it, but the pin rattled. And so when the pin rattled... Dave goes, hey, you may got a hole in one. So we drive our cart up there, and there's no ball on the green. <laughs> and so I'm thinking it's got to be in the hole. So I grab my phone so I could take a picture of it, run up to the green, look in the hole. There's no ball. Hmm. There was a ball mark about four or five inches in front of the pin. So the only thing we could have surmised was it hit, hit the pin at a 90-degree angle, and then the Green had one of those false fronts. It rolled all the way down off the green. So I go from thinking I have a hole in one to chipping and two putting for a bogey. That's golf. That is golf. How are you as a golfer? I hear that's one of your hidden talents. I'm an average golfer. There's days I'm good. There's days I'm not so good. Golf is all about tempo. And some days I struggle with my tempo. Some days I don't. What's your handicap? It's about a 13. Your first love, baseball, but you've coached other sports. I coached football in high school for 17 years, enjoyed it at, at Manteca High. I loved coaching at Manteca High when I was there. I coached football in high school for 17 years, and I got out for a year or two of coaching football, and then I, I didn't know what to do on Friday nights, so I started officiating football. And so myself, Richard Boyd, Todd Vick, Steve Clark, and... Isaac Terry, we had a crew, and we did that for about 13 years. Coached high school baseball for 41 years, loved it. Coached basketball a couple of years. I was the break glass in case of emergency coach. CR opened, our head coach was Frank Trillia. He didn't have a freshman coach. 
Frank's another. Triggs. Yes, another guy that I've known for 55 years. And so I, I coached basketball a year or two for, for Frank. And then our girls golf had an opening, filled in and coached girls golf for about four years, which my wife said was going to be good for me because I had never coached girls and we didn't have any girls. We had four boys. What was it like coaching a girls sport in comparison? What did, you learn? what did you learn? My experience with high school was boys had to play good to feel good. Girls have to feel good to play good. And I'm not trying to slide anybody, but um, right on that, the that seemed the way it was. We, my wife and myself, had an IWFL football team. Let me tell you what. I loved coaching the girls. They, were, they were competitive. And I think girls that I coached were more receptive to coaching than many of the boys. Right. Girls were willing to listen. They were willing to try new things. And so I, I enjoyed it immensely. I really liked it. Were you already golfing a lot when you took that on? No, I just kind of started. And, and so was that your, your jump off? To start golfing? Uh, a little bit, yes. And, and um, one of the golf pros at the golf course, Don Beal, he would give our girls swing lessons on Saturdays. Mm -hmm. I would tell the girls and their parents, I can help you with your putting. I can help you with your chipping. I can help you with course management. But the, the golf swing is special. And, and so Don would meet with our girls on Saturdays and, and give them a lesson to help them with their swing. That's very cool. Oh, it helped us immensely. You coached CYO. Back in the day. That's where I got my start. And you were working at New Deal. Worked in, in those days. What'd you do at New Deal? Now, let's explain. There's going to be a certain generation here. Now, for the Manteca that's not here anymore, when we describe places like New Deal, we have to explain what they are now. So I would be referring when I say New Deal, New Deal was a supermarket south of the Bank of America in the lot where the Salvation Army is now. And I believe mm -hmm. there's a paint in shop a paint there. Store, yeah. Mexican restaurant there. Yeah. Right. That was New Deal. And what a great store. What did you do at New Deal? Well, when I, when I started there, I worked on the stocking crew. And so we would go in at four in the morning. Truck would meet us at the back. What year? It was either the fall of 78 or the spring of 79. My boss was Alex LaFranchi. So Alex gave me a job. When, when I got out of college, it was 78. It was the same year that Prop 13 passed. I remember that. And so school districts were pretty much on a hiring freeze. I don't know if today's generation would appreciate some of the things we had to do back then. He was a very good boss, and he... he saw the future. I was talking to him one day at work and he said, Jack, you know, there'll be a day when you can go buy your groceries, get your your tires changed and a haircut all at the same place. And, and he's not too far not, off. Not right now, huh? The big stores have obviously, they, they've decimated the small family supermarkets, the big boys, the Central Marts, the, sure. the New Deals. They're, they're not around anymore. Right. And Save Mart used to be one of those. Yeah, in town we had Save Mart, we had Safeway, we had New Deal and Big Boy, and boy, the Wednesday ad. I used to throw the Wednesday ad, so. You yeah. probably rolled newspapers behind the post office over yeah, there. Yeah, absolutely, yep. for the bulletin and the record, yep. both. They had, or uh, That was the record there, yep. and then they dropped, we used to drop bundles. You know, paper routes always come up. We were 10 years old. I, I, got, an, uh, I got a newspaper article. We look at the date. I'm 10 years old, yep. Coach, getting out of my bed in the morning. yes leaving rain or shine at 10 years old collecting money doing big people things yep. you know could, could you imagine it was me and eric reese yeah. you know oh, me yes, and reese yes. me, and me and eric lived across the street from each mm -hmm. other so that's my 
Could you could you imagine today? Let my ten a let a ten or twelve year old kid riding his bike around town with two hundred dollars. Yeah, in a in a, in a absolutely. Bag. Could you imagine? Oh, crazy! <laughs> this is so funny, Coach. Real quick, let's take a right turn. Toilet paper over or under for you, Coach? Uh, we're we're an over. You're an over. We're an over. We're who are you talking? You got a mouse in your pocket over there? Oh, uh, we we kind of do things the same way here. We who my wife doing? and I, Paula. Paula. Oh, let's bring Paula into the show. You know what? When I met Jack, he was such a nice guy. I was a little leery because I never met anybody so nice and kind as Jack. You know, we started dating. We've been dating ever since. Oh, yeah, she said that to me. That's her line, huh? We've been dating ever since. Do you uh, use that line or is that strictly? Now, you could check your man the, card on this one, maybe. Well, the, the couple of lines I would use when people would ask us how long we were married, like on our 40th, people would say, how long you've been married? And I'd say 40 happy years, 20 for me and 20 for Paula. But but honestly, yes, we have. We've been dating ever since. We enjoy each other's company. Where's, where's my, hang on here. There was one, I, I hit this button, let me see. We met at San Diego State. It was a fraternity party, September 25th, 1976. And it was decorated beautifully by some palm trees that we helped ourselves to on campus. Jack and I and some of his buddies went, went out with a couple knives and boy, the fraternity was beautifully decorated. <laughs> The, the trees probably needed to be trimmed anyway. She got scared telling me that oh. story. Like somebody from the Aztecs are going <laughs> to no. show, like a the Aztec mascot's going to show up here and uh, go, you know, Greg was sick up. I ended up at SDSU many a time, dropped me and uh, my brother Dave Henderson off, and we went to a frat party in the SIG app. Mm-hmm. That we're, was right down the street from Theta Chi House. We're like, we're 14, I think. Yeah. Oh, geez. <laughs> Those never, frat parties used to I'll be. I'll never forget it, and I'll never talk about it. You know, Coach, things stay on the mountain. We haven't got to the mountain yet, but they, no. they also stay at the, the Sigat building. Yes, but there used to be some wild times back in the 70s. They had put Jergens lotion or, or hair conditioner shampoo on the brick wall so people couldn't come over the back wall, <laughs> right? So we're kids. We're just trying to get out of there, right? We're like feeling out of place, and you go up, and we go up to the brick and look back you know, behind the Sigap house over at whatever. It was like an open yeah, field. Yeah, it was an open field there on Hardy Lane. And your hands come up, your hands come up, and it's like <laughs> shampoo or something. <laughs> The grossest thing I've ever seen for a 14-year-old kid. But boy, we saw it, like I said, yeah, they had a real punk band in there for those days. And uh, What was it like at college for you and Paula? How'd that all come about? Where'd you take her on your first date there, Stud? We went to uh, Balboa Park right by the zoo. I think we actually went into the zoo as well, and then we had a picnic at Balboa Park. So it was low-key. It was fun. How about date number two? How'd you know date number two was coming, Coach? We had a good time together. And I do remember on, on the weekends, a lot of times there'd be a group of us, we'd go out to the Monterey Whaling Company, which was a little restaurant bar down on Hotel Circle. But Where'd you guys get married? Uh, in San Mateo at St. George's Church. Father Carter was a little Irish priest. And we got married there and had the reception at San Mateo Garden Center. Spent one night in San Francisco, one night in San Luis Obispo, and then I had to teach that next Tuesday, I think it was. And so we didn't have a honeymoon until about 20 years later. We went to Hawaii. And I did ask uh, Rob Steves. A lot of you may not know that when he first started coaching in the mid-'80s, he was not even teaching at that time. He was working at New Deal. <laughs> so he'd work New Deal, go in, I don't think it was graveyard, it might have been, and then get off just in order to coach. That's the kind of commitment that he had while he was finishing up his credential. I asked him if he'd ever watch you work 
And of course, he said, yes, you know, I've seen him work uh, many a time. He said, you're one of these people that's hard to beat, Coach. Trying to beat him was very difficult. You better bring your lunch. Um, You better cross your T's, dot your I's, and have everything taken care of because uh, his teams were always very well prepared. I got to watch him work. What is your position, Coach, when he says you are very much prepared? To the layman, they're watching a baseball game. I think in coaching, and I think this is true for any sport, coaches win games at practice. I don't think I don't think coaches win games during games. I think if you watch a baseball game, most people have a pretty good idea what's going to happen or what the strategy may be. The execution of it is what makes the difference. I, I used to tell the parents at our parent meeting, hey, I'm not going to do a lot of coaching during games. And so, sure, if we have to make a pitching change or if, if we're going to bunt, if we're going to hit and run, yeah, I'm going to make those decisions. But those decisions, are, to me, aren't the biggest part of the game. And so we want our kids to be able to relax, trust themselves, and, and enjoy playing the game, enjoy the competition. And... I think it was Yogi Berra that said you can't hit and think at the same time. And I think too many times parents, God bless them, they mean well, but they're yelling so many instructions at their kids during games, their head becomes flooded and they develop paralysis by analysis. They got to go home with the parents. Yes. They only get a certain amount of time with you and then it's home with yeah. mom and dad. And So you are... Well, I, I was inducted into three Hall of Fames. One... One was the city of Manteca, which was very special. 2015? With you. Represent yes, me and yes, you, I think, Coach. Right. Huh? Yes. They yes, put me in right. for this. Can you believe that? I can believe it. Oh, come on. I can believe well, it. I don't know about that. And so that, that was a special night. And then I was inducted in the California Baseball Coaches Associ- uh, Association Hall of Fame, I think, in 2003. And then the Sierra High Hall of Fame in 2019, I believe. You're a was. legend. Uh, I'm not a legend, but they were all special. Wife's very proud of those accomplishments. So let me tell you yeah. about Jack's commitment to baseball. Tell me. To his schools and to his players. So when he was hired at, at Sierra High School, when it first opened, he was hired as head, head uh, baseball coach. And he took a field with a three-foot fence and a little bench for a dugout on both sides, puny uh, little league bleachers. And with the help of community, uh, people in the business, he were, and friends and players and family, he was able to build a stadium that his kids are proud of. And he doesn't do all the work. The kids do the work. They buy into it. They, they're out there. They're raking. They take a lot of pride in their field. And that's um, one one story I can tell you about, Jack. Yeah, Jack had the field named after him, Jack Thompson Stadium. And I think the ceremony was September 2019, attended by staff, the principal, administration, and probably a good hundred people sitting, beautiful, beautifully decorated. They unveiled it, and there it was. Now, if you're going to drive by it right now, you'll see half of his name gone because we had a huge wind a year ago. So it's a Jack Toms. But anyways, that's his field, Jack Toms. As soon as I can come up with the money, we'll, we'll get it back up there. <laughs> Jack Townsfield. You know, it's... Um, <laughs> but one of the reasons... I loved Manteca High when I was there. There was no no ill will, no animosity. I, I loved 
being a Buffalo, I loved coaching at Manteca High. But when Sierra opened, it was an opportunity to start a baseball program, to, to build a field, and, and I wanted that challenge. And so that's why I, I, I went over there. And I think... You and went over there because the air conditioner units worked a lot they're, better. They're this was a, a coup. Yeah. When I talked with Eric, you know, <laughs> Eric told me that, uh, you know, when he explained it, and I said, oh, well, they'll be able to hook school, and they can make all these teachers department heads, and then they want to make a... That's a coup. Yeah. That's a coup. They I, came in and cooed the buffaloes. I remember my air conditioning system at Manteca Height was to go in the back of the room and open those windows that bent down about 18 inches. And that's it. That, that was our air conditioner. <laughs> yeah. But... And I'm not saying this is me, but I, I think one of the qualities of a good leader is they see the end result first. With that stadium, I saw the end result. I, I saw what I wanted. And then you have to work backwards and figure out what you need to do to get it to look like that. And I had so many people in the community, Dana Solomon, Dave Kamara. There was a, a man named Mike Height that used to run the Bricklayers Apprenticeship Program at, at Adult at Lindbergh. They did the block on our dugouts. There, there were so many people that came and helped to work on that facility. Attention, you need to come to the Jack Toms Field. Yeah. We need you now. <laughs> yes, right, coach? to fix a sign. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, Coach, in a right turn, which body part, if you could detach, would it be and why? <laughs> Funnier than the toilet paper Jeez, question, yeah, actually. Yeah, come on. If you could remove a part, which one would it be and why? <laughs> uh, probably my two little fingers. I don't think I use them that much. No? You grew up here. What are your fondest memories of growing up? Um, you mentioned in a in a pre-questionnaire for me working at Spreckles in the summer. We worked at Spreckles in the summer. They had uh, Spreckles Sugar was owned, owned by Amsar Corporation, and they not only had the sugar, they had a lot of agriculture behind it. And so we had about, I don't know, 2,000 to 2,500 head of cattle. They had the almonds. They had pastures that they would do alfalfa or sedan grass and then cut and feed to the cows. And so I worked for a guy named John McDougall, who, who was the ag guy out there. And I worked with his son, Dave Collins, Dave Myers, some guys in my class. And it, it was just fun working. It, it was fun working cattle we thought we were little cowboys because they'd bring in these little steers and we'd have to brand them ear tag them give them hormone pills and we you know we just thought we were all miniature john waynes wasn't the case no not the case at all but it was fun tell me about the family paula uh, this is truth 43 years of marriage four boys Four grandchildren, a dog. Well, Coco's deceased. Yeah, he passed away a few years ago, broke our heart. Coco. Coco was our little dog. And there's a there's a good story. Is that Coco up there? That's Coco's ashes up there and his picture's up there with Paula. Our daughter-in-law married to my son, John Heather. She's now the principal at Walter Woodward School. Great, great young lady. Every year for about five years, she'd say, Jack, can I get Paula a dog? And I'd say, no, we're, we're not, I don't want a dog. We're not having a dog. And so one year, about October, she goes, Jack, can I, can I get Paul a dog for Christmas? So she had just kind of wore me out. So I said, yeah. <laughs> she never mentioned it again. And so sure enough, on Christmas Day, she shows up and brings Paula 
this dog, and, and he was originally named Kermie. We, we didn't like Kermie, so we changed it to Coco. He was a wonderful dog, little poodle. He'd get butthurt a lot because every time somebody would see him, they'd say, oh, what's her name? So, well, it's a boy. He's Coco. He's a boy. He, I know he's a poodle. Bad. I know he's a poodle, but there are male poodles. <laughs> yeah, but he was a great dog, and his, his last few years, he... You know, became weak, run down. He lived to be 17, and, and we it's finally... a great age for a yeah, dog coach. And, and we finally had to put him down. And it, it was it was heartbreaking. It, it, was, it was tough, tough to deal with. Hello, my name is John Thompson, and I'm Jack's oldest son. Maybe one word that would describe his character is patient. Shows patience with us, with, with his kids. Shows patience with situations that, that come at him, whether they're easy or difficult. Um, and everything he does, he's always shown self-control and patience. Um, taking four boys on a fishing trip for a summer vacation when they're all under the age of 14 takes an immense amount of patience. Experiencing that now as a father myself and uh, something maybe you take for granted when you're young, but it's apparently clear now. Uh, he's very easygoing and he's a hard worker. So everybody I talk to, and this happened with Eric Reese now, you guys are all in a category for me. You guys are both sort of pretty religious guys right mm-hmm. down yes. the, and always have been, and don't fake the funk. And when I went and spoke with uh, Coach Reese, everybody had the same answer. Like he had sent out a form letter and said, if he asks you this, <laughs> I want you verbatim, word for word, to read this back. It's what happened here. It's the same thing with you, Coach. It doesn't matter who I talk to. It was the most uniform, especially your kids. And by listening to your kids... You can tell what a great, you know, father you've been because their answers were so consistent. And what I mean by that is I asked John, what do you know to be true about your dad? What I know to be true about my dad is that he is extremely committed. He's committed in what he does, uh, whether it's at work, whether it's teaching in the classroom, coaching on the fields, raising his family. He, he sees the job through to the, to the very end and he follows through on what he says he's going to do. Um, there's, a, there's a huge level of commitment in what he does. He's not necessarily a man of many words, but when he speaks, well, you, you better pay attention because there's truth to what he says, and he's not just talking to be heard. That can be uh, if, he's, if he's speaking negatively uh, or positively. In either case, you, you better listen when he speaks. Because he has a lot of wisdom, he has a lot of wise things to say, and he's very careful in the words he chooses because there's purpose behind them. He's definitely a leader. He's, uh, I noted this to be true about my dad, he's a leader. And being a leader doesn't mean you have to s- scream and shout and holler and be the, the loudest one uh, to be heard. No, my, my dad leads by example, um, and he leads by serving others. The, the people around him, his community, his kids, his family, uh, he definitely has a, has a heart of a servant and, and that's how he leads. Um, and it's been, it's been incredible to, to watch that. Was that the impression you wanted John to have of you coach? Cause you sound like a pretty good guy. I, I would, I would think so. That was pretty flattering. Um, but, but I think there's, there's some truth to it. I, I think people who coach, people who teach, you have to be the person you are. If I tried to be a yeller and screamer, it, it wouldn't work because that's not my personality. And my, my personality is rather quiet. I don't open up a lot unless I'm very comfortable and get to know you. 
well enough maybe that I, I can trust you or whatever it may be. But the, the yelling, I've, I've never been a yeller, and I've never thought that I, I needed to. I, I always think of that, uh, the, the movie that Tom Hanks was in with the Russian spy, Bridge of Spies, and he asked the, the spy that he's defending, he asked him, are you worried? And he replied, would it help? <laughs> and that's kind of how I feel. I, if I get all excited, if I'm going to yell and scream, well, is it really helping? And most of the time, I think not. And I think a lot of young men, young women, they, they, I think they respond better to the calm, matter-of-fact type approach. Not everybody raises their kids your way, Coach. Well, being that he's my dad and I've grown up my whole life with him, I have all kinds of memories. Uh, but the one I think that stands out, kind of a routine, maybe what would be a routine Sunday uh, for us. I remember we'd get up bright and early to make sure we attended 7 a.m. Mass at St. Anthony's Sunday morning. Uh, he'd get all four boys up and out of bed, and him and my mom would, would make sure we had our uh, we looked sharp. And we were there at, at St. Anthony's, uh, hopefully paying attention to, to what uh, the priest was, was telling us about. And um, if we made it, through the the mass without you know one of us getting the look or getting in trouble well that was a small miracle in itself uh, but however we we made it through every sunday we managed to make it uh, we'd go over to my grandma thompson's for breakfast and we'd do some work around her house that was kind of our weekly thing again you know dad said the example that you you take care of other people uh, then after grandma thompson's was was definitely uh more like more often than not was uh, a couple hours in the afternoon on the baseball field I guess after six days a week coaching the, his own players, it, it wasn't enough for him. He, he took us down there, and, and we loved every minute of it. We'd, we'd get ground balls hit at us. We'd get some batting practice, and um, that, was, that was kind of a, a, a routine Sunday during the spring or summer season. And uh, we, you know, that will stick with me as, a, as great memories uh, for the rest of my life. Well, I was beaming for you as I was listening back to this audio, getting it prepared for the show. And like I said, I'm in a very unique situation because the way this podcast goes right now with the advent of technology, the iPhone has become this uh, beautiful piece of the, these guys sound like they're here with us, uh, except for John was pulled over on the side of a highway in Montana. So when we do talk with John, you'll hear the car noises. He did the, and the, and the funny thing is he did the whole, uh, he did the whole thing driving, and the car noise was too much. It was almost too loud. So I let go, listen, you're going to need it. And it was a lot. He, he replied the most out of it. You've had, you've got four. Put Travis in because he's taken your job. And you had given me John as one of your names. So I'm missing one of them, Scotty. And I apologize, Scotty. Uh, my, my math didn't add up. And I just didn't uh, figure to get you and realized I'm here without Scotty audio. But I don't know if it's because you had four sons. You know, one situation, one incident, when I knew this, this is pretty special. I knew you're, you know, you're accepted when you get your house TP'd uh, after a Friday night football game. And I don't know if TPing is something kids do anymore, but I do remember waking up on Saturday morning thinking that it snowed outside of Manteca because you couldn't see a, a, a blade of grass on a front lawn. It was pure white, um, covered in toilet paper, a 40 foot pine tree in the front yard was covered in toilet paper. I don't know how they got it up that high. And um, 
and then luckily uh lucky for us we had a uh, brand new porcelain toilet on our front porch and all in completely good fun um but just the the relationship that that as a coach you have with your with your football players or your student athletes when you can do that engage in that kind of fun stuff um good natured is uh, pretty special and i think all of those speak to building relationships which is what my dad was was all about with his with his kids with his with his student athlete with his players well he only remembers the one time but this was all so this wasn't girl this wasn't fans of the boys coming around this was actually the team coming to jack you up that's why i'm doing the podcast because everything's just so much to talk about so many people when i was in high school i had a chance to take coach thompson's intro to business class and was fortunate enough to take it with my good friends of eric hill and one of the things that coach has always enjoyed is a uh, good banter and he was always a guy that enjoyed that part and one day he came to class and he had a sweater on and this sweater was a little unusual. It kind of had some spots on it a little bit and was, uh, yeah, it was just a little different. So I think me and Mr. Hill designated that sweater Jack's uh, pizza sweater. And uh, we'd razz him about this pizza sweater. And he, uh, he never, ever let on that it ever bothered him. But after a while, it seemed like the, the sweater never showed up at school very often. So come to find out, the pizza sweater was a gift from his wife, Paula. And she was like, hey, why aren't you wearing that sweater anymore? And Jack had to uh, admit to her that, you know what, the boys are kind of giving me a little grief about this sweater. So um, he had to confess that it was the pizza sweater. So that's definitely a memory that we get a few chuckles on way back when. <laughs> he's still chuckling about it, Eric. Eric, he's still laughing about it to this day. And he knew exactly where it was going. Oh, I knew. And the pizza sweater. Come on, coach. You and- weren't poor, poor Paula, coach. And then you came home and you told her and burst the bubble and said the boys were making fun of it. The whole thing. That's no code for the students. Kids are, <laughs> kids are pretty good at letting you know what you should and shouldn't wear. How many times did it take for them to rub you about the pizza sweater? Before A few times. <laughs> so they're not that good at it then. They're pretty good. <laughs> and speaking of Eric, I asked him what kind of person you are. Eric Reese ends up being the most winningest football coach in Manteca. In yeah. Manteca. And Every time I bring him up, I say it, and then I'm, you know, I'm a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, and Tom Brady is now what he is because not only did he win the games, but you got to put in the time, right? Mm -hmm. And here we are after the time, and you go back and look at the record, and you find out Coach Vic only was in like the 70 win area somewhere around there. Well, the next, I believe that they put the plaque up at Gus Schmidt with Eric's face on it. Because it's going to take a while for oh. somebody to put in the time and then put in that amount of win, and that's almost yes. like Tom Brady type yes. type of things. Sort of the same, you know, much minimized from the scale, but sort of the same thing. Yeah, Eric's had a great. He had a great run there. I would have never thought. Well, you're looking back when he was what? I would have twelve ne- years old. I would have never eight, 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 nine. I would have never thought in those days, you know. And he was an all VOL tennis player too, you know. Yes. Yeah. I got. I didn't make grades. I'm on Coach Henderson's tennis team, and I tell Eric because the Reese's, Dennis and Sandy, have been taking us out to the golf course. They just put the lights in out there. We're going out there. We're having a fun night, tennis. And Eric said something. I ended up pl- started playing racquetball, and I'm like, hey, dude, I'm on the tennis team. You need to come. Eric Reese comes and joins the tennis team. I don't make grades. I'm that guy. I don't make grades to stay on the sports team, and I start going to the racquetball club with Irv Shaw. Playing. I, mm-hmm. We ended up doing touring racquetball for a number of years through high school but eric ends up going and being an all vol tennis player who'd ever thought that coach 
Did you coach a tennis too? Is that one? No, you no, I no, I did not. They never needed but a tennis it, coach. No. Oh, Alex Henderson was the best, wasn't he? Yes. <laughs> Shared an office with him for a few years. Is he still alive? No. No. He's not. It rested peace, Irv Shaw, too. Yes. Oh, those guys. Great set of characters in there. Yes. When I was there. 82 to 86. Mm-hmm. A great time. A great time. Eric also mentioned to me a theory you have. One of the truths that Jack always believed in was a thing he called the big balloon theory. And in the big balloon theory, he felt like, you know what, the the Lord is in that balloon. And uh, when you do good stuff, you know, it kind of fills up the balloon. And eventually that balloon will come back over you in the same regard. If you're not living right and you're doing stuff that's not so good, eventually that balloon's going to end up back over the top of you. So it might not happen immediately, but it's kind of, you know, his way of the karma is the big balloon theory. So I remember that sticking with me, obviously, all these years later. And uh, just one of those traits that you're like, you know what, that's, that's a good thought. I remember that well. You know, I think good things happen to good people. And like Eric said, sometimes it, it, it may be down the road, good or bad. But I think things catch up to you. Both good things catch up to you and, and bad things can catch up to you. If I asked everybody what you're afraid of, do you know what the number one answer was? Snakes. The number one answer, yes, was snakes. Hey. But they all added an adage at the end of it after they said snakes. Scared of Paula. <laughs> scared of Paula. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not scared. I just want to please her. What is dad afraid of? My dad apparently is afraid of snakes. Uh, he's just afraid of snakes. Apparently, uh, also in that uh, designation is salamanders. Um, we were backpacking in Yosemite just a few years ago, and he learned the valuable lesson uh, that you check your boots before sticking your foot in them. And uh, there was a there was a salamander that made his way into the into the inside of my dad's boots and. I was fishing on the other side of the lake, and if I had any chance catching a fish um, <laughs> before the incident, I can tell you uh, with no amount of uncertainty that there was no chance I was catching a fish afterwards because I could hear his screaming from the other side of the lake. We rushed over to see what was the matter, and much to our surprise and maybe a smidge of disappointment, it was just a salamander. So I would say that's uh, my, my dad is not, uh, not a big fan of snakes and salamanders, apparently. There's, there's a little more to that story. Wait a second. I don't even know what, a, what the hell a salamander is. It's like a newt. We, a newt we, in your boot. We were, we were, <laughs> we went in backpacking and there was about six or eight of us. We would take turns cooking meals. And so my son, John and I, we were going to team up and we were going to cook dinner one night for everybody while we were cooking a big pot of jambalaya. Well, it's one person job. You don't need two cooks. And so I told John, hey, you just go down to the lake and fish with those guys. And when it's ready, I'll, I'll call you guys. So I walk down to the lake when dinner's ready. And as I'm walking back, the ground moved under me. And so I looked down and I stepped right over the top of about a four foot rattlesnake. When they say white men can't jump, biggest lie in the world. I touched the sky. And then said some things my mom wouldn't be proud of. And that snake, I don't know if it just got done eating. It didn't want any part of us. It never even coiled. It just slithered away. So I've got that in my mind the whole night. Well, the next morning we get up to fish, 
that's when I put the boot on and something starts wiggling in the boot. <laughs> and so that's when I jumped and screamed because I figured it was still after me. <laughs> How big is the salamander? They're only, they're only about six, six to seven inches. They don't bite, do they? Couldn't you just squished it? Couldn't you just kept yeah, on? Yeah, I probably could have, but I didn't know what it was. If if I'd have known what it was, it would have been a different story. You're going to be okay with Father Chad with the curse words because it was a snake. Yes. The snake is not, you know, snake's not a, I'm not a fan. So, no. you know, I'm sure that. They don't have any feet and they slither on the ground. Ugh, I'm with you. I'm with you on that, Coach. There's no possible way. No snakies for me. Hey, Travis. Hi. My name is Travis. I am Jack's youngest son. I'm currently the head baseball coach at Sierra High School, which is the job that Jack currently held before he retired. What type of guy is Jack? He is a really good guy to be around in whatever that you are doing, whether you are wanting to have fun and go golf or whether you have a really important job to do. He's the guy that you want around you. Um, growing up, lessons he taught my brothers and I were, you know, to take pride in everything that we do and to give an honest effort each day. Little lessons like that, he would tell us and then show us with his actions every day. And it wasn't just all business. He, he, he knows how to have fun on the golf course, um, playing cornhole, coaching baseball. He, he has fun in what he does and so you know when they talk about enjoying the journey um jack is definitely an example of that and what do you know to be true about him what i know to be true about my dad um, i have firsthand experience seeing hundreds and hundreds of players come back to see him over the years whether they've been out of the the school for just one year or whether they've been away for five ten fifteen years all of the players come back and they speak so highly of my dad and Sierra baseball, and they credit what he did for them during their high school years as those life-changing characteristics that allow them to be successful after high school. And to see that from the age of seven to 33 years old is really special. And so I, you know, I know that to be true. He's, in, he's impacted so many lives um, for the baseball players who came, who have played for him over the over the past years, what a story that your son he was there while you were coaching. Yes, and when you leave, he's the transition. Yes, to the same head coach very position special. of Sierra Baseball. Yeah, very special. What kind of what kind of voodoo is that? Uh, he voodoo. was he, he was the right man for the job, and he he's done a good job there. And why was he a good man for the job? He, he understood what we were trying to do. Because Jack Thompson says no. so. Uh, that's what, no, that's what Dave Kamara is going to yeah, say. Yeah. He's at home right now having a two shots. Yeah, yeah. Still mad about that call. Yeah. I stayed completely out of that whole thing. but You'd have to. Yes. Travis is very, he's very conscientious with what he does. And I think he understands. And it was something that he mentioned that, that I tried to do. And that was to build relationships with players. Um, How do you do that? I, I think it's, it's a matter of trust that works both ways. It's a matter of listening. It's a matter of not f 
focusing on winning, but focusing on the process. I think once your kids know that you trust them and that you care about them, they'll do anything for you. If they think it's the only thing you're interested in is winning and they're just another piece of the puzzle, then I don't think you develop those those relationships. When when our son Mike passed away in 2007, I was in Florida. I was at a baseball conference and Paula called me and told me Mike got hit by a car. Let me, I didn't know that. I, I had to ask somebody about the story, mm-hmm. Coach. I mean, you hear something about that and you hear a story like that and you think, wow, so close to home. You're off and he's hit by a car. He's driving and someone. He was riding his bike. Oh, he's on a bicycle. Yeah. Where at? Where where we're in town? Corner corner of Alameda in Maine. It, let me just offer Mike. I wasn't going to bring it up when I came and oh, talked no, no, to Paula no, no. the it's, other day. She said, "Make sure you ask about yeah. Mikey." So I'm glad you started in, even though it's not part of the flow of the the podcast where we were for me to bring. I w- sort of wanted to say something and 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 be, but uh, just uh, my condolences. That, that's got to be very difficult. I know Thank it doesn't you. help at all, but please continue on with your story. You're in Florida. You so, get a call. So I'm in Florida, and I, I get a call and. And so my flight was supposed to leave the next morning at six, and it was about, I think, nine, eight, nine o'clock at night. And so I grabbed my suitcase and I grabbed a taxi to go to the airport, thinking, well, I'll just jump on a plane to California. Well, there's no planes going to California at nine at night. And, and one of my former players, Regal Ledesma, another great young man, was. He was at the conference. He heard what happened, I think, from my son, John. He jumps in a taxi, follows me to the airport, runs me down at the airport, and he says, Coach, come on, we just we need to go back to the hotel. And so we went back up to my room, and then— he, It was the news that he'd been hit, or was the news that he'd been killed? He had been killed at, the, at that point. It's horrible. And then the, the coach at Fresno State, Bob Bennett, who just passed away last April, a great man— I used to work camps for him in the summer. He heard and he found up, so he came up to my room and those two spent the night with me. And then, so I'm, I'm flying, getting ready to fly back the next morning. I'm in the airport and I've been crying all night, so my eyes are all welled up. So inside the airport, I have sunglasses on because I don't want people to see my eyes. And they're not only sunglasses, they're big M-frame Oakleys. So they're huge sunglasses. And I'm sitting, just sitting down, and I could see people looking at me like, who does that guy think he is wearing sunglasses inside the airport? And in my mind, I'm thinking, they, they don't know what's going on in my life right now at, at this instant. And so... After that, when I was coaching, I realized through Mike's passing, I don't know everything that's going on in these kids' lives when I'm coaching them. And so sometimes when maybe a a player doesn't seem real happy at practice or a student for that matter seems to be uh, a little off, there's probably something going on. And so rather than get upset with them or 
why isn't your homework turned in? My line became, how you doing? Is, is everything okay? Is there anything I need to know about? You seem to be, you don't seem to be yourself today. Is there anything I can do for you? And it, that opened me up to another level of relationship building with students. And it was a, a valuable lesson to not be so quick to judge. And Mike was a great kid. He was. He Tell was, us about he, it. Mike was a special needs student, um, and so he oh. he struggled academically, struggled athletically. He he tried everything. He tried to play football. Tried to play baseball. Was on the tennis team. Of course, didn't you know he wasn't good enough to make the varsity. But he went to practice every day. He wrestled for a year. He, he wanted to, he just, his fine motor skills weren't there. He was in the band, played the bass drum. They still have the Mikey T bass drum in the band room at Sierra High School. Um, tried to help out wherever he could. He would be manager for the football team. He came back after he graduated from high school and announced the girls' basketball games, the boys' freshman football games. Was, was very active at Sierra High School. He just loved doing it. I, I don't know if I've ever met a person that, A, didn't like him, or B, he didn't like them. He saw the good in everybody. And, and the way people would describe Mike to me was, when he ran into you, he made you feel like you were the most important person in the world. And so when he passed... We, we started a scholarship foundation, and it's been, uh, we've given out scholarships now from 2007 to the present day, and we've given close to $40,000 away in scholarships. We give them to students with special needs who want to try to continue their education, whether it's at a junior college, whether it's at a trade school, and it's, it's, it's very special to us. To, What's the name of the charity? It's the Mike Thompson Memorial Scholarship Foundation. If anybody wanted to be a part of it, how would they get a hold of you? Just contact me. At, at, they can call me. How about your email? Email John Thompson at Comcast.net. And, and it's uh, T H O M P. No, no P. No P. No P. I know. That'll get you in trouble. Well, and but your coach, Jack Thompson. What's the, the email is John. Are you, is your my name real John? name is John. How come you're Jack? Because my dad was John. And you didn't want to be junior? No, it's, you know, you, back in those days, you only had one phone in the house. So when people called, they'd say, is John there? Oh, big John, little John. Well, so I just became Jack. And you got a John. And we have a John. So it's John, Jack, John. So you and Todd have in common lost a child. Yes. And sometimes I think God trained me so I could try to help Todd. Hey, it's, it's just not the normal order, order of life. You know, you, you lose your parents. Paul and I have both lost our parents. Very sad. Very, very sad. They both lived, all four of them lived great lives, full lives. You both took care lives. of your mother until she was almost 100 or made 100? She, she made 99. And you go over there every day. I went over there quite and a bit. And you taught yeah. the kids to do that. And our kids did that, yes. It stuck with them because I yeah. know. So when I get the audio, I've got to listen to it three or four times. I get it, I listen. I put it in, I edit, I listen. I get it in, I get it in the final. When I go back and edit this, I'm going to hear it. I'll have heard all this stuff. I'm going to be a family historian. 
Only as much as nice. they've told. I've now I've never told you everything they've told me, oh. but they don't got those kind of stories either, <laughs> right? And I said to Todd, you know, tell me something good about Coach Thompson. You know, I can say a million good things about Jack, just like everybody can. I I, I would doubt that you could find somebody to say something bad about Jack. He's that kind of guy. Who could I ask to tell me a story of someone who's pissed off be, over the time? There might be a few umpires. If I went out and argued with an umpire, I usually thought for sure they were. I don't know. I'm sure you could somewhere, but you know, you try to you, you treat people the way you want to be treated, and I think there's respect that that is consistent among amongst every person that you gave me to talk to, and the <laughs> ones that and the ones that I searched out on my own that you didn't give me, Todd. Some of the memories that I remember, uh, you know, our kids both they they all grew up on the fields, you know, in the gym. I can remember a time we went skiing and water skiing. I had a ski boat and uh, the day was basically for the kids to ski a little bit and get out there and, and boogie board and do all that. I don't remember if it was his idea or mine for him to try it, but he did. He went to ski where he was on doubles and uh, one leg went one way and the other leg went the other and he he pulled his hamstring from his hip and uh, he spent a lot of time on crutches. I'm hoping that that, that wasn't my idea, I, but I, I really can't remember. I'm, I'm not sure whose idea it was. I didn't pull my hamstring. I tore it off the bone. It sounded like that when yeah. he said it. Ow, coach. I, I tore it off the bone. And so. What do they do to put it back? They had to drill holes into my hip and then wire it back in. And so I was on a crutches and a wheelchair for 10 weeks. And I coached that way. I re- when was that? Uh. I can't remember exactly what year it was. It was one of the last years. So he's got wire hips. Yeah. Yeah, that was painful. That was very painful. Ouch. He had said something in one of my, and he said something in common, and when he went there, I directly correlated. But I think that's why you guys are so close. I I think you guys are closer than you know. You you know, you... you, Just by being there. you, You share a bond with... That's a horrible bond to have yes, with somebody, but yes. it's but, but it, it's a lifelong bond. It's a lifelong bond. Can't it, remove and it. it. It never goes away, and it does get better with time, but it's never the same. And there's a a hole in your heart. Yeah. When you lose one of your kids, that I can imagine that never it, it 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 never closes up, and not a day goes by that. We don't pray for him, think of him, whether it's a funny story, but there, there's not a day goes by that he is still not in our daily lives. Well, bless him and bless Coach's son and uh, Coach Vic's son, and uh, let's move forward. Todd. His memory is phenomenal. I, I, I don't even remember last week. He can remember games and scores and, and things from years and years ago. The other thing that a lot of people don't know is that you don't want to play Name That Tune with Jack Thompson because Jack Thompson, he knows the name of the song, the album it came from, and a lot of times the year that it was produced. It's just phenomenal to listen to him run off the oldies and know who and what and when and where so that's that's a, a talent that's pretty special that i think just his memory i mean he just remembers everything sounds like i need to have a challenge with the name that tune with radio man maybe i have maybe i have somebody out there worthy <laughs> you ready i don't i didn't bring any music with Good, me maybe i'll we'll set this up because i think i can take you you, you probably could i, 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 I probably used to be you. real good at it, good at it especially the 70s 
I, I knew my 70s music. I've been a little bit out of practice. 80s, we had four kids in the house under eight years old. We didn't get to listen to much music. What's Coach's driving song, Paula? Yeah, that's old time. Mongo Jerry's the artist. And what song? I don't remember. I don't listen to it. It's his song. Huh? You know who it is? Oh, gosh. I'll play it for you. Oh, in the summertime. In the summertime when the weather is high, you can stretch right up and touch the sky. Listen to that, Coach. That's your song right there? Is that the one? Yeah. I think so. That's the one. One Hit Guy was just a fun song. What's your favorite like, driving song going to Yosemite? Uh, I like all different kinds of music. I, I probably lean a little bit more toward the the folky stuff, the singer-songwriter stuff, Dylan, Croce. Dragon clouds so high above, I've only known careless love. It always has hit me from below. Okay, okay Bob Dylan. But this time around, it's more correct. Sing it, Bob. Right on target, okay. so direct. Right. You're gonna make the loads when you go. It's from the uh, Blood on the Tracks album. Oh, bring yourself into the show. My name is Ken Huckabee. Current title is third base coach slash catching coach for the Acereros de Monclova in the Mexican Summer League. I am an ex-Major League Baseball player and Mantecan. I know Coach Thompson from playing for him. I met him when I was a freshman in high school in 1985 playing football. He was the head coach of the freshman football team, then went on to be my varsity baseball coach for two years and a lifelong friend since. If I had to describe uh, Coach Thompson, I would say faith, loyal, kind, just the kind of guy that you wanna have in your life to enrich it, to make you happy, to make people around you happy. He's the kind of guy that he makes your life better when Coach Thompson's in it. He's he's truly a great friend, and I'm fortunate to have uh, moved to Manteca when I did in '85 and gotten to know Coach. Um, it's been a life changing experience for me. You know, your experience is enough for me to have Ken Huckabee as one of our features. I qualify him because uh, you know he went through your program coach and he's a good guy he, yeah, he's local boy done good he is a local boy done good and he still is doing good he, he's just an outstanding young man and he was good baseball player good husband good good father very loyal tries to come back whenever he can and has spent time at manteca high with their baseball program has spent time with our baseball program I got to spend a week with him at spring training one year, which was just the experience of a lifetime. Considered him a very good friend and and just a wonderful man. What do you know to be true, Ken, about Coach? His family, his faith come first in his life. And baseball is a deep passion that runs root runs deep, excuse me, in his life for is for as long as I've known him. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's what I know to be true about coach. Give me a memory. Personal memory about coach that I have are, are many, um, since it's been, you know, 37 years since I've, 
I've met Coach. Is, uh, he's been along for my journey with me. I've hopefully been enough of a presence to be along for his journey through his ups and downs in life. The memories with Coach are wanting to make sure I did him proud when I played because of who he was as a person. He didn't. He wasn't a person that you want to disrespect. And unfortunately, I probably did. Did he? One time, Kenny, when after he had signed with the Dodgers, he was playing minor league baseball, and he was playing for Bakersfield. And Bakersfield happened to be playing the Modesto A's at the time, and the game was held in Modesto. And it also coincided that it was Manteca Bay Ruth Day. Well, Kenny was a former Manteca Bay Ruth player. So, of course, they make an announcement before the game, you know, Manteca has one of their own playing in this game, former Manteca Babe Ruth player Ken Huckabee. And so everybody cheered. Everybody was real happy. And then in about the fourth inning, Kenny got thrown out of the game oh, no. for saying something to the umpire. And I can remember his dad, Jim, was not a real happy camper. Oh, right turn, Coach. What's your favorite microwavable food? It can be whatever, microwavable food. We, we make a, a meal that's called South of the Border. And it's made in the microwave, and it's it's good. What is it? Look it's it got up. it's got chili, corn, crushed Fritos, cheese, kidney beans. What else, Ken? Something that coaches had to deal with over a personal story they've had to deal with. It's obviously we all know about Michael, uh, Mikey, coach's son. Um, it still brings tears to my eyes this day when uh, when I think about Michael and what happened and the impact it had on the Thompson family. In fact, uh, just recently I was with Travis. We started talking about Mikey and I started crying right there in front of Travis. And I told him, I said, I still, still to this day, it hurts deep. Um, but that's, that's a testament of how close Jack and Paula, John, Travis and Scotty and Michael, they, they, they bring you into their family to make you feel like you are a part of it. And, and to lose Michael when we did, it, it hurt so deep. And it's a wound that's still, obviously, time is healed, but it's still, it still hurts deep. But uh, that's one of the things with Coach I know was, was difficult. Um, that he had to deal with and get through and with his faith and, and Paula and, and the strong network of people around Coach, um, they've gotten through it. Thanks, Ken. Tell me um, something you'd like to tell the coach. I've got him here in front of me. I have very, very few friends like Coach that I truly feel 100% uh, clear that he's a friend. And as a as a person, as a ex-athlete, it's it's rare that you, a teacher, coach, becomes one of your best friends in life, that rides the journey with you, and you can confide in, and you feel like he can confide in you, and um, it's it's very rare. Um, I'm fortunate to have Coach Thompson in my life. Like I said before, him and Coach Miller both, Coach Jack Miller, two, two friends of mine that I hold very close to my heart, 
I've taken with me on my journey and I would not be who I am, what I am, doing what I'm doing without Coach Thompson in my life. That's a plain fact. He, he molds not just me, but he's molded hundreds if not thousands of young lives the way he molded mine. And Manteca is by far a better place with Coach Thompson in it than if he weren't. He's, he's, made, he's made Manteca a better place to live in because of his presence, him and Paula. Coach, if you happen to listen to this, I love you. Um, I, didn't, I told the stories that we normally tell. I didn't tell any other ones. And uh, I can't wait to see you in October. Hopefully we can go rip some lips up in the mountains and, and have some fun. Very nice to hear. Very nice. And Kenny and I share, I think, that mutual respect for each other. Obviously, we're, we're very close, and I would like to think that we've been there for each other. In well, Hold on. What was that, Ken? He denies this story to this day, and, and if, you, if you play this with him listening, again. he's going to shake his head no and say that it never happened. But when I was a freshman in high school, and I tell the story all the time with Coach. When I was a freshman in high school and I was going out for quarterback, I was five foot two, right. 120 pounds, yeah. probably one of the smallest guys in the team. I was the starting quarterback, believe it or not. He asked me if I played baseball, and I said, because I was new to Manteca, I just moved there from Fremont, and I said, yeah, I did. And he asked me what position I played in baseball, and I told him I was a catcher. And at the time, Coach Thompson had Robbie Vanderpool catching on the varsity baseball team, who was six foot three, you know, 270 pound offensive lineman on the varsity, you know, a big, huge person and a good catcher for Manteca High. He's looking at this five foot two, 120 pound freshman saying that he's a catcher in baseball. So when I answered his question, he looked at me and says, not for this program, you don't. And so I just kind of shrugged my shoulders and went out for baseball and played for Coach Vic my freshman year and was a starting catcher and started for Coach Mantooth my sophomore year and then started two years for Coach Thompson. So I guess he was wrong in that, in that aspect. So, But um, he, did, he didn't never let me pitch. That's another story that we talk about all the time that he laughs and, and he would never let me pitch in high school. And that maybe had a different career if I was a pitcher. And so I blame that on him as a joke. But... Um, nothing in malice with Coach. Does he have a special hobby, Ken? Over the last few years, I've been fortunate enough to go to the ABCA with Coach and, and watch him. The blue. Uh, talent Coach might have. The only one I'm aware of is he's like a master camper, like fishermen and outdoorsmen and all that kind of stuff. I've never got to experience with it. Experience it with him. I'm trying to just can never get the time together where we can link up and go spend some time in the woods. Um, maybe not deliverance style, but you know, the regular way. And, uh, uh, do some fishing and, and some bonding and some talking over a fire and, and just, be, just be together in that way. Um, we're trying, but uh, hopefully we can make that uh, work someday. Well, hopefully we will make it work this September. We talked about doing it 
this year, but then Kenny took a job in the, the Mexican Baseball League, and so that shot that idea down. And last year, I was supposed to spend some time with him at AAA, and then we were going to go fishing over the All-Star break in Canada, but then they canceled the baseball season. So it's been a chore trying to get something lined up. Most recently, you worked for... This is Steve Clark. I'm the principal at Sierra High School. It's a pleasure, uh, humbled to be able to uh, talk about Jack Thompson. I've known Coach Thompson since I was 14 years old. I was in his computer programming class at Manteca High School and then had the pleasure of playing for him as a Manteca High School baseball player and then later coaching with him at uh, both Manteca and Sierra, having him as a colleague in education at Sierra. When you think about Coach Clarkey, what do you think of? I think the word integrity comes to mind when I think of Jack Thompson. He's a family man, and they've done a tremendous job of, of raising four boys, John, Michael, Scott, and Travis. I think they've been uh, role models for many of us, um, not only on the athletic field, but um, also in life. He definitely uh, has been a role model for me, I know personally, I always point back to some of the great teachers and coaches that I had uh, that were mentors, and he was certainly at the top of that list as far as having an influence on me in my life. I know I wouldn't be where I am today um, if it wasn't for many of the great teachers and coaches like Jack Thompson that I had. How about a fun time? Oh, my goodness. Aaron, I could do a whole segment with you on that, probably a couple hours worth. We have a group that every summer... Uh, for the past, uh, it's been even before when we were in high school, actually in the mid 80s, they started, but it's a group that we call our cannonball group. And we go backpacking throughout the Sierras. A lot of us uh, fly fish and and we've gone all over the Sierras and e- even into other states. But there's so many memories, um, not only as an athlete on the baseball field, but and uh, at work and in the classroom and on campus, just on our annual backpacking trips that we plan and look forward to every summer. I am sworn to secrecy, though, Aaron, I got to tell you. What's set on the mountain stays on the mountain, so I can't give up too many of those stories. But I will tell you one thing. There is is one thing, and Jack knows this. We were doing a fundraiser at school about six or seven years ago. We had a no-shave November, November, so it was no-shave November, and we were raising money for for cancer for a student body ASB uh, fundraiser at school. The students got to vote on all of us that uh, had grown our beards out over the month. Coach Thompson ended up winning that, and I know to this day that that he used that men's just for men to, sh- to color his beard. He denies it, but uh, we all know that's true, so that's a pretty funny memory at school. <laughs> no shave November. There is a Travis? no shave November competition for all teachers at school, and my pops won that competition and later to find out that he did use beard coloring to make that beard look a little bit fuller and a little bit darker and and whatever he did worked because he got enough votes to win it and after he got the votes it was all said and done Um, but that's that's one of those moments that we still kind of joke about four or five years later on tell me it's not true coach it's true it's true (laughs) there was no rule about coloring your beard was there this is just about growing hair yeah and here's the 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 rest of the story is (laughs) there were no rules so i'm I'm growing my beard is coming in gray well i'm not going to walk around with a gray beard and so i just i started coloring it well then at the end of november we're all supposed to shave our beards off 
Well, our football team had won like four or five games in a row, and we're in the playoffs. Not going to shave and it we said, until hey, we lose a game. Can't shave That's now. Good luck. Okay. And so we kept our beards on, and that was the year they went to the state championship game. They won. No shave, no vim beard. Clarky, they have a thought on coach. I think if Jack had to go back again and do it all over again in college, uh, he might be a political science major. Uh, let me give you an example. We we sit around the campfire and without giving away uh, what's said on the mountain stays on the mountain secrets. But if we were to get some of the politicians in Washington to go on a cannonball trip oh, and no. sit around the campfire with Jack Thompson, oh, no. we would have all of the world's problems solved in a couple hours. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Coach Thompson loves to talk politics, loves to, uh, you know, that's, uh, and, and he, he knows his stuff. I'm a political science major, history major, and, and, uh, and I love sitting and, and talking uh, economics and politics with them. And he definitely knows his stuff and stay, he reads a lot. That's something that Coach Thompson does as well. Um, he reads a lot of books and, and uh, recommends a lot to us too. So you seem like you know him so well, Clarky. What's he afraid of? Uh, I know he's, a, he's afraid of the Dodgers right now. He'll laugh at me when he, when I, when, if he hears this. But um, the other thing that I know that he's afraid of is, uh, is not out fly fishing his cannonball buddies. So, uh, you know, there's always a little friendly competition on uh, who catches the most fish and, and, uh, or the biggest fish or, or so on and so forth. So I know that's another fear of his. Um, but no, on a serious note, I think that he does not want to let, you know, himself down from his high standards. So he lives his life that way. He lives his life uh, based on a moral code and a, and a set of high values and, and high character decisions and for his family and, and when he was an educator and a coach. I know first and foremost, he's true to that, true to himself when it comes to making those decisions. So I, I personal fear, but that's just my own my own interpretation um, from knowing him over the last uh, 40, 40 years. Um, he's also deathly afraid of rattlesnakes, but who isn't? And I know uh, personally, I've seen him step over too in my lifetime. And so hopefully uh, that's the last time that'll happen. But yeah, rattlesnakes, obviously. Rattlesnakes aren't, they're not my friends. Richard Boyd, I hadn't talked to him in a long time. I didn't know he had uh, done so much teaching. Yes. He's a, uh, He's right up there with the rest of them, yeah. isn't he? All, all you guys. Uh, Richard? Hello, my name is Richard Boyd. I'm a PE teacher and baseball coach at Sierra High School for the past 27 years. Yeah. I first met Jack my sophomore year of high school in 1983. I was in his accounting class at Manteca High, and I've been coaching with baseball with Jack for almost 30 years now. I didn't know that he was a baseball. Was he a player? Richard was a very good baseball I player. I figured Richard Boyd would be. But then he a concentrated basketball. more on basketball. Oh, okay. And right. so I think it's actually one of his regrets. Very hard worker. He's a very good teacher. If you see some of the stuff that they're doing at Sierra High and their, their phys ed program, it's, it's cutting edge. It's unbelievable. Like what, coach? The, the CrossFit stuff they do, oh. the workouts. It's, it's unbelievable, and the kids love it. They, they do a great job in the class, and the kids are active. He, he does an amazing job. Richard, is there something you'd like to tell Coach while I have him here? Um, the one thing I would really like to say about Jack is he's been a role model to a lot of men over the years. And as a man of Christ, as a husband, as a father, as a teacher, 
and obviously as a coach. And I just feel blessed to have him in my life and to be able to call him friend. A few questions before I let you go, Coach. If you could put up a billboard for people to see as they enter Manteca, what would it say? I think the first thing that came to my mind was come to Manteca where your dreams can come true. And I believe that. I don't even know if my dad graduated from high school. He shared with his seven children the value of an education and the value of hard work. All seven of his children have college degrees. There's two doctorates. I think there's three masters. He taught us the value of hard work. And I think in, in our city, you can come here, and if you're willing to make the effort and work hard, the dreams for you and your family can come true. I asked you for a piece of advice. If someone was going to move to Manteca today, you said, get involved in the community, your children's school, your place of worship. We all need to feel ownership of our city. I still believe the best part of Manteca are the people. Even as the size has grown, we're still a community of good, caring folk. I threw in folk, it says people, but I didn't want to be redundant. So, I, I believe that. And I think as parents, as members of the community, we, we need to get involved. It's easy to complain about things, whether it's your child's school, whether it's a sports league they're playing in. I think it's important that we all get involved and we all have a little bit of ownership in it. This is the part of the podcast, Coach, where I say thank you for allowing me into your place and thank you for opening up your heart and and talking to folks about Manteca and uh, making my little podcast here uh, what it is because without talking to y'all, it's just me talking and I've done that thing and it's just not. Radio is a lot of that, Mm -hmm. sitting in a room and talking to yourself even though you've got quarter million folks at any particular time as far as the ratings were concerned that would be listening to the radio stations at the end of the podcast i invite you to ask me any questions if you have any questions or would like to comment and say anything about me i would just like to say thank you very much i'm very humbled and very honored that you would think i would be one of the people in manteca that Uh, you would want to interview the five or six folks that i spoke to uh are very much respected yes. in this community and believe that uh, you should be, you know, with, with one of them being a focus, yes. with two, with two being a focus. Uh, wait, yeah, we've got Ken Huckabee will be on. I'm going to put Jack Miller on. Nice. Okay, I, I'm going to get to Coach Miller. He's very come nice. up too much time. He's come, come in too yes. many times yeah. and affected too many folks. And uh, this isn't the coach's show, right? This podcast isn't the coach's show. Um, we're going to get to Scott Brooks. You know, he just got popped as the Wizards coach. So we were ready to get ready, get ready to do his interview. I think things have changed now, unfortunately, right? So probably going to put him off. But I don't know if I sent you my list of all the people, but my 52 people are people that made a difference and are still making a difference, even if they're not in the front, you know, like they were at one particular time in my life, and maybe not anybody else's life, but that's definitely you, a familiar face ever since I was playing CYO basketball, (laughs) going to St. Anthony's, uh, up through uh, high school, and since being in high school and coming back to town, and uh, just much appreciation for the job you've done, and this community needs folks like you, and needed folks like you, and now you're retired, and your wife says you serve at the church. Yes, I do. Um, I enjoy it. It's interesting. You know, all the years and you waited to, you couldn't, you didn't go to St. Anthony's. You couldn't become an altar boy. So right. an altar server, an altar server. Yes. Oh yeah, that's right. Yes. Oh, yes. they f- forgot. Sorry. Yes. They'll, they'll end up changing that. That's yeah. going to be, they'll figure that out. That'll be someone, someone will be uh, mad that it's a server, right? Don't say that. Appreciate you. Give your wife a hug. 
tell oh, everybody right. I said hello and thank all your people that uh, talked uh, to me. I imagine you'll pick up a phone and probably call some of them. I will. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, Coach. So the show is called the Man About Town Podcast, Mantika, and my name is Aaron Goodwin, also known as Randy Bubba Black. I do it in order to set a time in history. You make sure you add our page, subscribe to our feed, share, tell a friend, find us exclusively on Anchor Podcast. I promise you a great guest every week for the next year, and I thank you for today's listen. The podcast is sole property of Aaron Goodwin. It may not be reproduced or distributed without written consent. All music used in the podcast is utilized and covered by fair rights usage. Mantikapodcast.com.